So we only have 85 seats in this auditorium and we had 1400 people that were on the, on the line to, to attend the premiere. And also it, it is worth to mention that the, the average ticket price increased by 60, a bit more than 60%. So the average ticket price is eight euros, but in ICE theater, it's over 13. And even with such a price difference, the ICE auditorium is the number one in the complex. It's over 85% capacity in average, all showtimes mixed together. So by far, it's a huge success. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Rebecca Polly, Deputy Editor of Box Office Pro, the only publication in North America dedicated exclusively to the theatrical exhibition market. Joined today by Editorial Director Daniel Luria in this, our final podcast episode before 2022 CinemaCon. I'm really happy that we're going to be going because it it feels like that bookend moment that we've been speaking about. That's what Sonic felt in many ways. We talked about that throughout the last couple of episodes. The first Sonic movie coming out, Valentine's Day weekend 2020, has a pretty good opening weekend. There's a lot of momentum. And then, of course, this horrible pandemic Everything gets really complicated. And then that sort of bookend of Sonic 2 coming out, opening to, what was it, 72 million, 71 million? Just 22% higher than the first one. Incredible, incredible figures. A great opening weekend. We've seen that momentum, and we'll talk about that box office in a little bit. And it feels like that CinemaCon where we can just breathe with a sigh of relief, right? So we're... We're super pumped to be there. With masks, with masks on, if with masks such is on. your choice, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's mask optional this this time around in Vegas, especially since last year, Rebecca. I mean, what a what a weird CinemaCon that was. Oh. First off, it was in August instead of April, so it's already like super hot outside. But we weren't sure how things were going to play out, right? At that point, at CinemaCon 2021, we hadn't had one major theatrically exclusive blockbuster hit theaters. Remember, this is before Shang-Chi even comes out. And now we've had a number of them. We've had a great evolution seeing even partners like Warner Brothers going from the day-and-date strategy, learning some very, very tough lessons at the end of last year with that day-and-date move, and then stepping back and saying, hey, we're going to try 45-day exclusivity. By and large, it's working out for them. The Batman doing great numbers. Fantastic Beasts, a little bit of a different story. We'll be going over those numbers shortly. Well, I think that's the lesson is, is that people are willing and, dare I say, even excited to come out when the film yeah. is right. And that's that yeah. was true before COVID and it's true now. But Daniel, as we rev up towards CinemaCon, I feel like everyone is, is in this industry is kind of battening down the hatches, sending out a torrent of emails, trying to set up meetings. You can contact us, Daniel at boxoffice.com, Rebecca at boxoffice.com, and Sean at boxoffice.com. Reach out to us if you're going to be there. We'd love to say hi. We'd love to meet up with you. We're going to be there in full force, providing daily coverage of the event every morning starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central European Time, we will have a new episode of our daily box office podcast at CinemaCon show going over the entirety of news happening at the event and some really good interviews. Rebecca, we start that with this week's episode, a little bit of uh, appetizer, if you will, with our guest. 
Guillaume Tomin Demazur, the Senior Vice President of Global Sales at Ice Theaters, a premium large format concept, which is actually sponsoring our series of podcasts all next week. And we want to give them a big thank you for that. Guillaume will be here in a little bit talking about his expectations for CinemaCon 2022. And beyond that, we're going to have a video presence. That's going to be fun. We're going to have to comb our hair this time around. I combed my hair already, Daniel. I don't know what you're talking about. I cut mine short enough that I don't have to. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm lazy in that way. I'll have to put in an extra little bit of effort. But if you don't want to keep up with us on the podcast side, sure, why not? We're not going to hold that against you. You can check out our daily updates on our social media channels. Just follow us on Twitter if you're not following us already. What are you doing? We're box office. It's easy. We've got an Instagram channel. We're over at LinkedIn. We'll be providing quick hit two minute videos going over some of the biggest highlights, some of the recaps of the day's events. We're excited to put in all that work for you, but let's put that aside a little bit right now because we do have some stuff to catch up on before we just go all up on CinemaCon. We have some pre-CinemaCon M&A news, Daniel. And uh, yeah, can you walk us down what that news is? It's AMC. Uh, coming in and buying more locations from other circuits. Really, really active player in this space, as we know AMC Theaters, the leading circuit, not only here in North America, but also around the world. They've gone out, acquired some of the formerly close locations from that Pacific Arclight circuit. Right now, they've actually bought seven former Bowtie Cinemas locations. Bowtie's uh, sending some of these sites over to our friends at AMC, and that includes acquiring these theaters in Connecticut, upstate New York, and Annapolis, Maryland. They're going to be retaining all of the associates and employees at these locations from the Bowtie days. They're now going to be branded as part of the AMC circuit. Rebecca, AMC really, really busy. Over the last couple of months, they have acquired theaters in some of these top markets in the U.S., including Los Angeles, San Diego, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. So very strategic moves here from this company, looking at some of the top DMAs in the country and just boldening up their presence. So, Daniel, yeah, more M&A activity as uh, we enter into a busier summer, a summer that is going to start with the first proper summer theatrically exclusive release of a Marvel movie in what feels like 20, 25 years. It hasn't been that long, but it certainly feels like it. <laughs> so what can we expect coming up box office-wise from that film? And looking backwards, what maybe can we expect from holdovers from Fantastic Beasts? Because as, as you mentioned earlier, that was not a film that uh, that really came strong out the gate. Yeah, so we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we've got to wait for that one until May 6th, until that post-CinemaCon frame. And between now and then, I think it's going to be a test of seeing what holds well in the market. We've got some films opening wide in that interim, not too many. And the ones that are opening, let's just say we don't have blockbuster forecasting for, although I think they'll definitely play an important role on the market. Let's start off with the animated side of the conversation with the bad guys coming out from Universal. That is going to be coming out wide this weekend. Rebecca, this movie has actually already been in release overseas for a couple of weeks now. The film has earned over $50 million 
dollars from 49 markets. These aren't huge blockbuster numbers. We've been seeing some learning lessons of how it's performed in markets like the UK, like Australia, like France, Germany, and Spain. The sort of performance that I think indicates that this isn't going to be a new Minions or Despicable Me franchise, but that will play an important part in the market, the counter-programming to keep things fresh in the coming weeks. I think that's in line with the expectations we have of this title coming in this weekend. But let me tell you, number one is going to be a big question mark because of those holdovers. We're not exactly sure what's going to keep on bringing audiences this weekend. And I say that because last weekend's opening frame for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, was good, but not great. Uh, Rebecca, how did that open up here in North America? Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the third of a planned five movies in this Harry Potter prequel series, opened to 43 million on uh, just over 4,200 screens, placing them ahead of second weekend holdover, The Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which uh, earned 30 million on around the same uh, same number of screens. I mean, I don't think it's a def- Definitive flop, definitive hit. Either way, it, it's it's kind of there, which is honestly how yeah. I felt. How I it's felt about okay, the film before right? it came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, I think those are the expectations we have to have for something in this wizarding world of Harry Potter spinoffs. It's there. The people that are interested are interested. It's not going to be a big crossover hit. And I think that's what makes it a big question mark coming into this weekend at the box office. Sonic being able to hold on with a $30 million second frame. The film's now, this video game sequel, now up to $119 million in the domestic market. Yeah, I I just, I don't see the bad guys coming in and upsetting that challenge for first and second place. I wouldn't be too surprised if Sonic is able to beat out Fantastic Beasts for the top spot. But then it's going to be a tight battle once we get to number four, number five, number six in the box office. We've got two, let's say, sort of uh, halfway between niche and moderate uh, titles coming out that we're both really interested in seeing. But we understand that there might not be everyone's cup of tea when we talk about that mass audience appeal at the box office. Let's start with Robert Eggers' The Northman coming out from Focus Features I can't wait to see this. Rebecca, have you already caught it in advanced screenings yet? I have not. I, I love his uh, his previous two films, Witch and The Lighthouse, though I actually did uh, meet up with some friends after they saw it in an advanced screening. I was in another theater uh, seeing everything everywhere all at once, which I've talked about on this podcast ad nauseum because I love it. I was being very selective hearing to avoid uh, hearing any kind of spoilers, but it seemed to be very divisive amongst them, mm. which honestly just made me even more excited to see it. I can't wait. I really can't wait. And on a related note, the other film that will have a similar sort of engagement from younger audiences is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the very appropriately titled film from Lionsgate starring Nicolas Cage Ask Himself. We saw the trailer for this at CinemaCon 2021. We couldn't stop laughing and smiling through our masks when we first saw this. This is one that I'm I'm really curious, just on a personal level, to see what the international performance is like, because I want to know 
how different international markets feel about Nick Cage. Like, what are the countries that love Nick Cage? Is it just America? It can't just be us. I think everyone loves Nick Cage, but maybe to different degrees. Now, both these titles, I think, are going to get a lot of press, maybe more press than you would expect from the numbers that I think we're expecting to see from these movies. Our chief analyst, Sean Robbins, putting them in a range of opening between 5 and 11 million, it's the type of titles that people are going to be talking about, but I don't think anyone expects to hit ridiculous heights at the box office, which is okay. Sometimes you need to have these sort of movies. As we've seen, you mentioned the title a second ago, with A24's Everything Everywhere All at Once from the directing team known as Daniels. That title, Rebecca, becoming a nice word of mouth hit here at the box office, cracking the top five last weekend, a fantastic result coming in at number four with 6.1 million. Everything Everywhere All at Once now up to 17 million in North America. Listen, you, you can't expect these movies to hit 50 million plus. So when they're able to break through like this, considering how much they cost, considering they're theatrically exclusive, I can't help but think these are positive developments when we're fleshing out a film calendar beyond superhero movies and talking animal cartoons. And when we look at the specialty space, Daniel, a film that comes out this next weekend from Sony Pictures Classic called The Duke with Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren, they announced um, this really interesting kind of back to theaters initiative uh, with New York's Angelica Film Center, which I just found is really interesting. Basically, the opening week of this film, it's a good old, I love a sale, it's a BOGO. It's a buy one, get one free. Oh, you get a BOGO here? That's good. You get a BOGO. You get a BOGO. If you you buy a ticket, then you get to, you know, go see it with a friend. You know, I'm a, I'm a card-carrying member, borderline religious devotee of the, like, seeing movies by yourself club. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> I just like to disappear into the mist. Tuesday morning, 11 a.m.? Heck yeah. Absolutely. But that said... I think this is a really interesting initiative that is that is uh, being done by the Angelica uh, Reading Cinema uh, and Sony Pictures Classics. And I would be interested to see what maybe how it could fit into the wider cinema space, maybe with matinee showings, with specialty movies. I, I'll be interested to see uh, how this shakes out for the film's opening weekend at the Angelica. That said, anything related to ticket pricing is going to be more complicated than it seems at first glance. That's a great point, Rebecca, and I think all this goes to that conversation that we've been having on dynamic pricing. How do you price things accordingly on the calendar to engage different moviegoers? I think a crucial part of this buy one, get one deal that Sony Pictures Classics is having with the Angelica is knowing that this is a demographic that has been very, very slow to show up, and they have titles to look forward to in the coming weeks and months. We've got that forever delayed Downton Abbey sequel that can just very easily plug in. That's a different distributor. That's coming out from Focus Features, but it's the same group of audiences, right? It's the same demographic. So having one of the major specialty chains pair with one of the principal specialty distributors in a get back to the movies campaign at this point, 
I think that helps the entire sector. We spoke to exhibitors over the course of the last few years, Daniel, that some of these older demographics could maybe feel sort of alienated or disconnected from their movie theaters because, by and large, these aren't people who were doing virtual cinema. You know, they weren't logging on to Twitch screens. They might not even be the digital ticketing demographic. And it's really important to get them back and retain them. And having that balance of, yes, your quirky genre film that goes through a multiverse that gets a lot of press attention but you also have to make sure you're getting people going to the duke you're getting people going to downtown abbey too it's i think a very positive development so hats off to both uh reading cinemas through its angelica chain and sony pictures classics for actually doing something here legitimately to re-engage i think a forgotten part of the public but a vital part of the public for independent and art house theaters. Now, Daniel, we've said it before, we'll say it again. When we talk about getting audiences to come back to theaters, premium formats have been so important. And actually, uh, the, the issue of the intersection of older audience members and premium cinema came up in our conversation from this week's feature episode. Yeah, that's a really good transition, Rebecca, to, to go into our feature interview segment with uh, Guillaume Tomin de Masur, the Senior Vice President of Global Sales over at Ice Theatres, uh, the company that is sponsoring next week's CinemaCon Daily Podcast. They're a PLF provider. They're a PLF provider that was developed by one of the leading cinema circuits in France, and that they've actually started exporting to different countries around the world. It was a really interesting conversation as it relates to this pricing conversation that we're having content conversation, and just some moves that cinemas are doing to make sure that they optimize that anticipation of going to the movies in a way that audiences are expecting. So let's hop right into that feature interview segment. This is Guillaume Tomin de Masur from ICE Theaters. We are joined today by Guillaume Tomin de Masur from ICE Theaters the PLF format that actually, Rebecca Ice is going to be sponsoring our special daily edition of the CinemaCon podcast that begins on Monday, April 25th, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, New York City Time, 12 p.m. Central European Time. New episodes coming out every day of CinemaCon here from our team at Box Office Pro, brought to you by Ice Theaters. And to get started and excited about thinking and talking about CinemaCon, we've got Guillaume here to tell us a little bit about ICE and his expectations for CinemaCon 2022. Guillaume, welcome to the podcast. Too much to talk about, really, <laughs> looking into next week. Let's start with the basics. Could you explain to our listeners what ICE Theaters is? Sure, thank you. ICE Theater is a, is a product invented by an exhibitor, CGR Cinema in France, 700 screens um, across 70 locations. And it's a, it's a product that is taking all the codes from the premium experience. So just like a French chef, we took all the best ingredients we could find and uh, we put it together in order to create an amazing dish. So we selected the 4K laser projectors Dolby Atmos full configuration with five speakers behind the screens, recliner seats, uh, VIP, so it can be half recliner or full recliner, curved grader. So we take all those, you know, things to make a, an auditorium premium 
And we were like, something's missing. Uh, we need to put something more uh, on top of the best image and the best sound and the best comfort seats. So we added LED panels on the side uh, of the auditorium to reflect the peripheral vision of, uh, of the movie gore. So basically, you always look at the main screen, but those panels will fill and expand your, your vision. And we encode each movie for those panels and the effects are from start to finish. And, and it starts like an ID from Jocelyn Bouissy, our, our CEO. And it was an ID that fits the market demand. They wanted something more, something more premium, but also they wanted to expand the experience. And we now have 43 ICE theaters in the world. We just opened one in Spain. We have two in Saudi Arabia, uh, one in Los Angeles and the rest in France. I've always kind of wanted to, to experience that panel effect that, that Ice Theaters uses. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, uh, Daniel and I were both located in uh, New York, and we're not in one of those Saudi Arabia, Spain, LA, or France locations to be able to see this technology in person. For people for whom that is also the case, I assume at CinemaCon on the trade show floor, you're going to have something so that they can kind of firsthand get a glimpse of what this technology is about. Absolutely. It's very hard to showcase these products on a small setup, but the, the closest way we, we can do is to sit people on our recliner seat and uh, have them uh, put a VR helmet on, and then we can display some video clips. So it will feel like they are in, in an actual ice theater, and it will give them a glimpse of, of the experience. But of course, there's nothing else like um, experiencing it inside the ice theater. Also, I'd like to mention that hopefully we will um, soon roll out some screens in the United States. And maybe, I hope so, finger crossed, you'll be able to experience it wherever you are in the US soon. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. And CinemaCon is just such a great opportunity to see a lot of these new innovations up front. And from an operator's perspective, learn about those tech aspects, learn about what advantages they bring. But of course, bringing them out to market brings so many learning lessons. Guillaume, you've been involved personally in introducing this concept outside of that footprint you have in France with your parent circuit, CGR. You've got to Saudi Arabia. You mentioned uh, LA through that Regal LA Live location. Very recently, you were in right outside of Barcelona with the Spanish circuit Ocine that this month, April, debuted the first ICE Theaters location in the country. Could you go over how you introduce that concept to the public? Because it's not really as simple as saying, hey, this is a PLF concept, come see it. How did you work on that consumer awareness and excitement for the grand opening? It all started with um, the you know three months ahead of the opening where you have to, to create awareness to your clients. The way we do that first is uh, to display video in each uh, of uh, each and single auditoriums of the theater itself. That is a promotional video that shows what is to expect in the next three months. The second thing is to display a VIP recliner seat inside the lobby with a screen on top of it that shows again the same video for people that just passing by the lobby and they can see there is a business class seat right here and and you, you could test the reaction. They, they didn't realize that would be available in a theater. 
So this way you start to create awareness, but then of course we managed to, um, to access um, a premiere for our film um, Dumbledore, uh, Fantastic Beast, and we got the movie 24 hours before uh, national release date. So we got a lot of traction. Um, we had 1,400 people uh, that subscribed to attend the premiere. So that's, a, that's an advanced screening in your format. So a day before yes. the opening of this big film, you're able to sort of coincide the opening of your auditorium with a sneak peek with this new technology. You mentioned it was over a thousand people, just consumers said, I want to be part of this. I want to experience this organically. Yes, that is something even Ocine never saw before, even when they're opening a full theater, brand new. Uh, they never experienced such a, a market response. So we only have 85 seats in this auditorium and we had 1400 people uh, that were on the on the line to to attend the premiere. That's anticipation, and <laughs> and also it, it is worth to mention that the the average ticket price increased by sixty a bit more than sixty percent. So the average ticket price is eight euros, but in Ice Theater it's over thirteen. And even with such a price difference, the Ice Auditorium is the number one in the complex. It's over eighty five percent capacity in average all show times mixed together. So by far, it's a huge uh, success. That's something we've seen as uh, cinemas have gone through the recovery process over these last few years. As more and more big, spectacular movies, like a movie in the Fantastic Beaks franchise, like Spider-Man No Way Home, as more of those come out, premium formats have been particularly effective in getting people back to the movies for the first time. And like you said, they will pay those premium price points. How competitive is the PLF space today? And how does that level of competitiveness, I mean, has it, has it changed at all since pre-COVID? I would say first, you need to offer people something more than what they, they, they had during COVID times. We all got our, our platform and couch and beds and so on. So if you want to move people inside your movie theater, you need to offer them something else, something different. So, of course, PLF are competitive and each consumer and moviegoer is different. So you need to address the moviegoers that are in your area, that are in your theater, and, and to make sure that your product answers uh, their request. What we discovered is most of our moviegoers, they wanted something flashy enough to be new, but also classy enough to retain the senior audience. So we had to find the perfect mix between a product which is very new and, and, and fashionable and, and funky in a way, and a product which is very elegant in order not to get rid of our um, more senior uh, moviegoers clientele. And by doing that, I believe we reached the perfect mix with this product, with uh, iSeater, because you attract both young, middle-aged and, and, and senior uh, clientele. One of the things you, you mentioned, Guillaume, uh, a second ago was on the willingness of the audience to meet that price difference, to meet that price increase and go out of their way and say, hey, I want to see the same film, but pay more for a better experience. They are seeing that value in an auditorium. And it's, it's very disconnected sometimes from the conversation we're seeing in the United States, in the press at large, with a lot of concerns about rising ticket prices, what's going to be the pushback from audiences. 
From your perspective, you have data not only as a PLF provider, but also through your corporate parent, CGR Cinemas, the second largest chain in France. What have you seen in terms of audiences responding to these PLF uh, screenings, even if it's at a higher ticket price? Let's say a movie like Spider-Man No Way Home, for example. Did you see audiences willingly go to the higher ticket price? Was there any pushback or alienation with a big release in that way? So let me put it that way. We have 40 ice theater in France, over 700 screens, and we did over 50% of our box office with ice theater only. And that's just a, a fraction, a fraction of the total screens you have. Half of those tickets are going for a premium ticket price. Exactly. So 40, 40 screens generated over 50% of a circuit that has 700 screens. So what does it mean, literally? It means that people want to go first to the ice theater. Then uh, it increases our um, online sales uh, through the internet. Then there's no more seats available. So people go to the standard format if they don't want to wait or they push back to another showtime. So that's what we see. So we always start by filling up our ice theater before filling up then the other the others uh, auditorium. And, and the same goes uh, right now in Spain. Uh, the Ocine the Granollers um, ice theater is the first one to get full capacity every time for every showtime. That's the first metric uh, that I, 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 can, I can share with you. But uh, the second one is 95%. 95% of people that comes to ice theater comes back. Wow. And that, that is to address the, the, the question of, you know, other premium format that can be a very nice experience to have once, but that you're not going to have every time you go to the movies because sometimes, you know, you're not in the mood. Ice theater is the perfect balance that brings the action on screen and only on screen, but still you are really immersed thanks to these 220 degrees LED panels immersion. We have such a, a strong slate coming up over these next few quarters. Thank goodness. You know, we have uh, the new Marvel film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Mandas coming out in just a few weeks. What are you looking forward to that you are excited to as an audience goer, see in the ice format? And maybe what are you excited about seeing at CinemaCon, uh, presentations or other exhibitors on the trade show floor? As a movie buff myself, I'm very excited about Top Gun. And I think the expectations are really high, but the reality will be even higher, I hope. We, in Ice Theatre, we had a lot of luck uh, to access most of the content from most of the studios. Uh, we had the, the chance to do Uncharted, to do Sonic, Morbius, Ambulance, uh, Moonfall, Batman, uh, Spider-Man. Uh, we're going to do Top Gun as well. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on at the moment. I know a number of us are very excited to see what the studios have in store and what movie theaters will be able to program through the rest of the year. Guillaume, Ice Theaters will be at CinemaCon at the trade show floor. Where can attendees at this event find you at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas next week? Sure, they can find us next to Dolby. Uh, we're on the booth 2617A and we would be delighted to welcome any visitors. Well, I, thank you so much. I cannot wait to put that VR headset on and see what the see what the experience is like. Looking forward to it. 
And thanks again to Guillaume Tomin de Masur from Ice Theaters for joining us here in our CinemaCon preview episode. You will be hearing a lot more from them in next week's daily CinemaCon podcast edition. We've got a packed schedule here beginning on Monday morning. We'll be having our first episode from Las Vegas and we're rolling out the red carpet, some great guests here on Monday, we have John Fithian from the National Association of Theater Owners alongside Charlie Rifkin, the head of the Motion Picture Association, joining us for that first day's podcast. On the second podcast, Rebecca Pauly speaks with Ellis Jacob, the CEO of Cineplex, the largest circuit in Canada, going over those challenges in the Canadian market in the first quarter and how they've overcome them and really began to thrive throughout this year. On Wednesday's episode, we have Sean Gamble, the new CEO over at Cinemark, the third largest circuit in the United States, in an exclusive conversation here at Box Office Pro, speaking about the value of a theatrical exclusivity window and how they've been able to install that working alongside streaming partners like Netflix, Cinemark being the most high-profile exhibitor to put Netflix titles on their screen and walk the talk when it comes to theatrical exclusivity. Rebecca, could you go over what that Thursday morning episode is going to be including? Because we've got that panel from Tuesday morning over at Cinema. Yes, Daniel. In our Thursday episode, we are going to be playing the Tuesday morning panel on a subject very near and dear to our hearts, that being movie theater marketing, uh, something that has definitely seen a huge uh, transition in the last two years. And then on our final daily CinemaCon episode of 2022, we are going to be sharing the How to Attract and Retain a Talented Staff panel, moderated by NATO. Jackie Brenneman. Uh, certainly an important conversation, certainly um, a complicated one with no easy answers. So we are, uh, we're very happy to be able to share that discussion with people who might not be able to be there in Vegas, you know, in person. That said, of course, in addition to all of those things, we will be sharing insights, particularly those of our chief analyst, Sean Robbins, from the studio presentations on what films get shown, new footage, what looks to be making a lot of money, what got the crowd riled up. All, I mean, the most the most fun parts. Yeah, all the good parts of, of the event you can count on our insights. We'll be producing that episode daily over at Las Vegas and brought to you by Ice Theaters. So don't forget to rate us. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you can get all those episodes. And if you are in Las Vegas and you can't make it out of bed in time to catch those 7.45 a.m. panels, like Rebecca said, not to worry, we will be having highlights from those conversations on our Thursday and Friday episodes next week. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much once again for joining me on this podcast. And thanks again to our guest, Guillaume Tomin de Masur. This has been the Box Office Podcast. We'll be back on Monday with the first episode of our daily CinemaCon edition. The Box Office Podcast is produced in collaboration with the Box Office Company, Box Office Pro, and Record Edit Podcast. We'll be back again soon. See you in Vegas.